It's been said that pride is the mother of all sins, meaning that all sins flow from a prideful heart. And in Daniel chapter 4, we're going to watch Nebuchadnezzar get humbled by God, proving that God is sovereign over everything. And old Nebi is going to learn a hard lesson about humility. And we're going to be able to learn today if we also apply the lessons of the Bible today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get to today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Oftentimes when God does something in our life, even if it's a heavy cutting job, it's not to destroy us. It's to bring us back into something more beautiful and more productive. But the pruning process can be painful and sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would I cut back good fruit that's producing because it's going to produce more fruit? We can see that in John 15. It says, let his mind be changed, 16, from that of a man. Let a beast mind be given to him. This was the inspiration for the story, Beauty and the Beast. I'm just kidding, it wasn't. At least I don't know that it was. And let seven periods of time pass over him. Most believe that seven years. Seven is the number of what? Completion or perfection. So it was going to take potentially seven years of insanity for Nebuchadnezzar to come to his senses. Sometimes everything has to be stripped away so we can see who God is and that we're not God. And you might say, well, why would God do such a thing to a person to open their eyes to who God is? Because he has an eternal perspective unlike us who just think in temporary Things. We don't think about eternity, but people are going into eternity at a very rapid rate. Just to remind you, about one and a half to two people die every second. Just ponder that for a second. Eternity is pretty important, right? Eternity is too long to be wrong about your soul. You ought to know where you're going when you exit stage left because you're going to unless Jesus comes in your lifetime. I often say to people at memorial services, often filled with unbelievers, the statistics on death are quite impressive. <laughs> and I usually get a little bit of a giggle. One out of every one of you is going to die. <laughs> you might want to make preparation for it you can live in denial, but that's only a river in Egypt, not Babylon anyway. Sorry. <laughs> denial, yeah, anyway. You see, Jonah's in the belly of the great sea monster, and it says, after three days and three nights, Jonah prayed. That's Jonah 2.1. What do you mean, after three days and three nights? What was he doing for three days and three nights? How long would it take you to pray if you were in the belly of a sea monster? I'd say about half a second. Oh, Lord. 
get me out of here. Right? What do you mean three days and three nights? Now, there's some different points of view. Was he, did he die? Was he unconscious? Or was he just stubborn? <laughs> Remember, he didn't want to preach to those people to begin with. He ran the other way. How many times has it taken for you? Three days and three nights? Seven years? Still a work in progress? <laughs> Me too. So the sentence is by the decree 17 of, angelic, of the angelic watchers. The decision, they're carrying out the decision of God, is a command of the holy ones. Uh, Bible students, write down Jude 14, where it says the Lord is coming with, what is it, 10,000s of his holy ones. I think that's the language there. Um, the idea of holy ones is often rendered saints in the New Testament because holy is the word for saint. So it could speak of angels in those verses. And it says that the command of the holy ones, carrying out God's command, is in order that the what? That the living may know, middle of 17, that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind. Heaven rules, and God wants the living to know it because the dead already know. Are you convinced of that? How many people, maybe just in your lifetime, clever so-called scientists, sophisticated philosophers, have entered into eternity, and now they know. But here's the question. Did they know before they go? <laughs> to use a rhyme. Did they know God? Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. You need to know God. We have a man who's been part of our church for many years, and he shared a testimony on the internet. He had a near-death experience. He, he was uh, dead clinically, I believe, seven minutes. Um, he describes a scenario. You can wrestle with this. Yeah, but I've spoken to him directly and he shared this on the internet where he died and he was not in a place that he would describe as heaven. He would say he was under judgment. And he came back, he was brought back, he got to tell his story and he said that God's message to him, take this for what it's worth, was get to know me. And he said, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting to know him. The dead already know. Because once you leave this life, for a Christian to be absent from the body is to be what? At home with the Lord. For an unbeliever, we see a behind-the-scenes situation in Luke 16 where Jesus describes the poor beggar, Lazarus, and the rich man. They both die. They're buried. The poor beggar ends up in Abraham's bosom. Where's the rich man? He's in Hades. He lifts up his eyes. He cries out, Father Abraham, you know, send Lazarus to put some water on the end of my tongue. I'm in agony in this flame. And there's a dialogue. Son, in your life, you, time you had your good things, Lazarus his bad things. Now he's comforted and you're in agony. And besides all this, there's a great gulf between the two of us fixed. We can't cross from us to you 
You can't cross from you to us. This is fixed. No exits. No change of address. It's it. And it's a story from the lips of Jesus. Okay, well then, send, send somebody to my five brothers, lest they also come into this place of torment. Do you remember the response? From the lips of Jesus, speaking for Abraham. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him or them. No, but if somebody comes from the, back from the dead, they'll believe. Will they? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in the very history in which we are embedded. We have more evidence in antiquity for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for any historical event in antiquity. And how many people are still rejecting the resurrection or coming up with goofy, silly arguments to somehow try to explain the facts? See, man is stubborn. And Nebuchadnezzar is about to be convinced that God is God. And so this is a key verse to understand the chapter in verse 17. The Most High, mark it, is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. Walter Martin, in his wonderful style said, God presides over all their funerals. They may get 60, 80 years, shake their fist at God, print t-shirts, God is dead. God prints his own t-shirt. Nietzsche is dead. You see, this is how it works. God is God, we are not. This is the dream which I, Nebuchadnezzar 18, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation. Inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while. King James says, for one hour. As his thoughts alarmed him, the king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and, and its interpretation to your adversaries. Now, Daniel knew what the dream meant, but he was troubled because ancient Eastern kings like this lived in a very protected environment. And for some, some of the records that we have say that you couldn't, as even a cupbearer, be sad in their presence. They didn't want any sadness. They didn't really want bad news. They wanted a protected environment. Fan me, feed me another grape. Fan me, feed me another grape. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. I don't want any bad news. That was a song, Fleetwood Mac. And so Nebuchadnezzar knows that Daniel's a straight shooter and he sees him troubling and he's, it's kind of like when, when you know someone needs to tell you something, but they don't want to tell you something, and you go, just tell me. Just, just tell me. But you know, just by their facial expression, that the news is not going to be good, but you have to know. And so Daniel sets the table wisely, knowing that to give the king bad news could mean that he dies right on the spot. And so Daniel says, okay, okay, king, put your seatbelt on. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what do you know about the occult? In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Just, just tell me. But you know, just by their facial expression, that the news is not going to be good. But you have to know. And so Daniel sets the table wisely, knowing that to give the king bad news could mean that he dies right on the spot. And so Daniel says, okay, okay, king, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Sit down. Brace yourself. The tree that you saw, which became large, 20, grew strong, whose height reached to the sky, was visible to all the earth, whose foliage was beautiful, fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged. Yeah, 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 I know the dream. The tree is you. <laughs> I knew it. Every time I get a dream like this, it's always about me. Couldn't it be about somebody else? You ever had someone come to you and say, I had a dream about you last night. My first response is, did I die? <laughs> What did you dream about? Don't ever tell somebody that and then hold back what the dream was unless you're embarrassed to share it. <laughs> or if you're on the receiving edge, just say, did I die? Did I die? Was there a calendar date? Were the circumstances revealed to you in which my demise happened? Were you there? Because if you were, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. What was I driving? What was I wearing? I'll get rid of the car. I'll burn those clothes. What do I have to do? Just like years before, Daniel said, you are the head of gold. Now he says, you are the tree. Well, Nebuchadnezzar can figure out the rest. Tree was chopped down by order of an angelic watcher. Some sort of bands put around it. Uh, this isn't good. And so he says, you're the, you're the tree. You become great, or excuse me, let's go back. Uh, which became large, grew strong, height, uh, verse 20, reached the sky, was visible to all the earth, whose foliage was beautiful, fruit abundant. Oh, we already did that, didn't we? You have become great, end of 22, grown strong. Your majesty has become great, reached to the sky, your dominion to the end of the earth. And in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its root in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, 
<clears throat> in the new grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you be driven away from mankind, 25. Your dwelling place be with the beast. Just a note, the Antichrist is called the beast in the book of Revelation. Uh, when we descend to be like the beast, we lose our sense of God. When we lack like, act like animals, when we embrace the implications of Darwinian evolution, that's pretty much what we become, sophisticated animals, right? So you'll be, uh, you'll have your place with the beasts of the field. You'll be given grass to eat like cattle. You'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you what? Until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. King, apparently you have not got the message from heaven yet. So God's given you another dream and you're going to be chopped down and humbled. Psalm 32, 9 says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. In Acts 26, 14, Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You're acting like an animal. You're like acting like an ox. You're kicking against the goads. And every time you kick it, more of your flesh is taken away. Why do you fight me? Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What do I do? Get up and you'll be told what you must do. And he had to be held by the hand. Saul of Tarsus, proud Pharisee, humbled to the ground, knocked off his high horse because he was fighting Jesus. In the name of God, he had letters from the high priest. He wanted to shut down what he thought was a false Messiah and its movement. But deep down, maybe Saul knew all the while. Maybe he knew Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe that's why Jesus said to him, why are you fighting me? Why are you persecuting me? I'll leave it to you. And in that, it was commanded to leave the stump with its roots of the tree. Your kingdom will be assured or restored to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Now, what would you do if your King Nebuchadnezzar, all right, that's, that's tough news. Wouldn't your next question be, what do I need to do to avoid this calamity? Wouldn't you want the prophet of God to lay it out for you? Wouldn't you want some sort of maybe to-do list? Well, maybe it's implied because Daniel says, therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Accept what I'm going to say. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor in case that there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Bold move by Daniel. Here's simple interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, repent. 
Now, there are people who say, oh, in the history of the revelation of the Bible, we got to be careful because, you know, prophets and Christians and so forth, they haven't, they haven't had much impact on government and policy and stuff like that. Well, you might want to mark Daniel 4.27, where Daniel in the court of Babylon tells Nebuchadnezzar to repent of his sin. Pretty bold. Repent, king. Get right with God. Do what's right in his eyes. He's shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It's to do justice, Micah 6.8, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. But for Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't about a to-do list. Please hear what I'm about to say. It was about a new heart. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. This is not about a building. It's not about what you wear, what you eat, what you drink, what you don't drink, what days you worship, when you fast, when you don't. You must be born from above. Heaven must invade your hearts. This is the message of the gospel. Religion will not do it. You must know the God who made you. And Nebuchadnezzar has certainly had some experience with God. He's seen God's majesty. He's seen God's power. But he has not yet come into a saving relationship with him. And by the way, Old and New Testament is the same. You believe in the Lord and you get righteousness. Whether it's this side of the cross in the Old Testament or this side of the cross in the New Testament, what you know about Messiah or about God, you must place faith in the living God. And so he got the word from Daniel, very bold, but true. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Now, if you were a fly on the wall or you one of, you're one of Nebuchadnezzar's advisors or you're somehow in the palace, would you be watching him now? If you found out that there was this whole thing laid out about the tree chopped down and Nebuchadnezzar's going to turn into a, a member of a 70s rock band, he, he's going to have long nails, long hair, the whole deal. Wouldn't you be kind of wondering, what's he going to do? You know, is he, is he going to ask for more information about how to get right? Twelve months later, fast forward 29, Nebuchadnezzar's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. There he is, up on the roof, checking things out. A year has gone by. There's another story about another man walking on his roof, and he saw a woman bathing. We studied it recently. And his cover-up, most scholars believe, in the, from the time that Bathsheba's pregnant to when everything unravels is about a year in David's life. God gives Nebuchadnezzar a year to get right. Here's Ecclesiastes 8.11. It says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are fully given fully to do evil. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, If we judge ourselves rightly, we shall not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. Revelation 21, excuse me, Revelation 2.21 says of Jezebel, I gave her time to repent. 
And she does not want to repent of her immorality. And we have verses in 2 Peter and Genesis 6 that say, at least imply, and I think this is correct, that as Noah built the ark, God gave mankind 120 years to repent and believe. 120 years. Some of you pray for somebody for a week. <laughs> ah, they're never going to come to church. <laughs> but God is patient toward us. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. So he knocks and the ark's being built and he tries to get our attention. And a year goes by. And the king's walking on his balcony and he reflected and he said, is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Write that down. That sounds pretty good. Write that down. He's out. And by the way, Babylon has existed long before Nebuchadnezzar, right? We have, we have Babel way back in Genesis 10. Babylon's been around as an empire for a long time. Nebuchadnezzar's father ruled it before he did. Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.